0: Oftentimes, we don't want to share Jesus with our friends because we don't feel like we have the answers to their questions. Ironically, that makes you the best messenger. Other times, we don't want to share Jesus with our friends because we don't feel like he's very good news or relevant to us at the time. Hopefully, renewing our minds is eliminating this a bit. Other times, we don't want to share Jesus with our friends because we're trained to dismantle our opponents in a militant way when doing so. Or, if you weren't trained that way, You have seen that in action. There has got to be a better way. Welcome to Anikinosis, where we renew our minds towards biblical worldview and the scriptures. This is a show for anyone looking to build or repair their biblical worldview. Whether you are 100% comfortable in current Christian culture, or you feel like an outsider looking in, Everyone is welcome. My name is Jeremy Agin. I'm just a guy with a Bible literacy background who has ASD and who thinks a lot about how to think. Today, we'll be discussing building bridges. When I was a teenager and later as a youth pastor, I was part of a coordinated evangelism effort called SEMP. SEMP stood for Students Equipped to Minister to Peers and also at another time, Sun Life Evangelistic Missions Project. If you're out there and you were a part of SEMP, I feel you. And if you're out there and you hope to coordinate and run SEMPs, I feel you too. About 90% of SEMP is amazing. Spending a week of the summer on a college campus to be trained in apologetics and missions training also that you can be a better witness to your friends at home is hardcore discipleship. Some of my best memories are at SEMP. The other 10% of SEMP is not amazing. Part of our training was how to dismantle our opponent's belief roadblocks. And once we were trained, we would hit the streets of the city. For me, it was Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, and Costa Mesa, California. And we would do cold turkey evangelism, sometimes door to door, practicing our dismantling powers. Thankfully, anyone who happened to come to Jesus during these events had their name given to a local church for follow-up, but in my experience, conversion wasn't common. That was okay, though, because our goal was to just get the practice in, because we were all sending letters home to friends, letters that would lock us into an evangelistic conversation when we got home. The letter portion actually worked pretty well for me. I don't know about you guys. However, the dismantling roadblock strategy was built deep into my psyche. Do you have an intellectual roadblock? I can dismantle it with evidence that demands a verdict. Do you have a religious roadblock? I can dismantle it with demonstrations of your faith's futility. Do you have an informational roadblock? I can dismantle it with providing all the info you need. Do you have a willful roadblock? I was taught that that wall will only fall with prayer and time. For years when talking with people that didn't know jesus i would view them through this robotic lens and i would target them with the right weapon now some of that could have been my autism spectrum disorder but it was still there this the system was part of my christian culture and thus it was good i was told it was good i told others it was good and i never critically thought about all of its pieces not until my brother came into my classroom to explain how to reach muslims in my bible class I brought him in as a guest speaker because he was working for Crescent Project at the time. And he was bringing information that he learned from Faud Masri, which I assume is probably in a book somewhere too. It was designed specifically for reaching Muslim people, but the strategy was so biblical that I was convinced it was the kindest way to share Jesus with anyone. And from that day forward, this is what I taught instead of dismantling. Building bridges rather than tearing down walls. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're called as Christians to be ambassadors. What is an ambassador? What do they actually do? What don't they do? An ambassador for a country tells other countries about the greatness that they represent and the help that they can offer. What they don't do is make people from other countries citizens of their country. Ambassadors do not make citizens. They simply share good news from their land. So here's an example my brother shared in class. There were once two guys. One was named Dr. Dan and the other Jeff. Dr. Dan and Jeff were friends and they both loved music. One day Dr. Dan was talking with Jeff. Hey Jeff. Do you have spotify no have you heard of it yeah spotify is great for guys like us i love music i know you love music spotify allows me to listen to tons of songs more than i own anywhere i want at home in the car on the go it's amazing it's changed my whole day jeff answers wow that's really cool i just don't want to pay monthly to pay for music when i can just listen on my iPhone or the radio for free. Dr. Dan replies, oh, I get that, but Spotify has way more songs. It's not that much more money when you think about it, and for me, it's changed everything. I- I'm even getting to love and appreciate music I didn't have access to before. Thanks for telling me about it, I'm just not interested, Jeff says. So the follow-up question of that story It was, doc- is Dr. Dan a successful ambassador? Yes, he doesn't have to convert Jeff, he's winning by just sharing the good news. I had a student in Pennsylvania that would walk around school with a five pound bag of gummy worms and hand them out to anyone who wanted them. Ah, the days before worrying about germs. A lot of people took the worms and a lot of people rejected the worms, but she was a successful worm ambassador by sharing. Evangelism is not something you can do wrong evangelism is sharing good news jesus is for everyone and jesus is for everyone he is god's gift for mankind and he is a gift fully given yet not widely open and enjoyed Evangelism's something that we can't not do when we're convinced that something is good for someone else evangelism isn't mostly bad news many times christians will lead with the bad news of hell when sharing the good news but that only makes sense if salvation is only an escape to heaven instead of thousands of other things it is like forgiveness and life and peace and joy and hope and power and righteousness and honestly when did the apostle paul ever use this tactic when did he speak of hell in 13 letters he never did So here are the four attitudes that we can adopt with all people we wish to share Jesus with. Loving, friendly, bridging, and biblical. Again, these come from Foud Masri via my brother, then to me with some edits. So I don't know who exactly deserves credit anymore, except that it's scriptural. So let's start with love. Love them. This requires action. This requires empathy. Which, by the way, on Twitter the other day, there was an actual debate on Christian Twitter on whether empathy was a sin or not. A sin. Just just stop. Just stop. Anyway, loving people requires compassion. Be friends with them. This is harder than loving them. This means extending time and kindness and choosing to not be argumentative with them because arguing builds up walls of defense and you're not looking to dismantle friends. And then build a bridge. Use similarities to build a bridge between your beliefs and practices and those of your friend. There are so many things in people's worldviews that overlap. Use the overlaps to present Christ. This is more effective and kind than tearing down the parts that don't overlap. And please, stay biblical. Do not walk away from Scripture to make it work. Don't cave on convictions about Jesus Christ crucified and risen. And again, this isn't just from Jeff or from Foud. It's from Scripture. It's from Acts 17, starting in verse 16. This is what Paul did. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. That's verse 16. So, he loved them, and he saw things in their lives that he knew weren't good for them. So, would he dismantle them? Verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and those who worshiped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So, the fact that he reasoned instead of dismantling shows that he was interested in befriending them. An argument does not come through this way, right? So, How does he handle when they argue with him? Verse 18, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him, and some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you're presenting? Because what you say sounds... You know strange to us and we want to know what these things mean now all the athenians and the foreigners residing there spent time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new so he could have said no um you're only interested in making fun of me or arguing with me but his love and his desire to be an ambassador drove him to share Verse 22, Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you're extremely religious in every respect. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship. I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So notice he didn't knock all their idols down. He doesn't mock them or call them stupid. He sees an opportunity to build a bridge. And with this bridge he will be unwaveringly biblical here he goes verse 24 the God who made the world and everything in it he is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by hands neither is he served by human hands as though he needs anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things From one man he's made every nationality to live over the whole earth and he determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said. For we are his offspring since then we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human hearts and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So Paul's modeling for us? How to be loving friendly bridging and yet biblical he's a great ambassador so what's the result verse 32 when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some began to ridicule him but others said we'd like to hear from you again about this so paul left their presence however some joined him and believed including dionysus the aragopite a woman named damaris And others with them. So that sounds about right. He received ridicule, curiosity, and a few believed. This keeps us from the age old problem of westernizing or Christianizing the people we shared Jesus with. Missionary history is filled with tales of missionaries tearing down other people's cultures in order to present Christ. But Jesus fits in all cultures. Acts 2 tells us this. You know, there's little known about St. Patrick most of what is known in pop culture is tall tales but what historians agree upon is how his how how this englishman effectively shared jesus with the irish druids so here's an excerpt from history.com familiar with the irish language and culture patrick chose to incorporate traditional ritual into his lessons of christianity instead of attempting to eradicate native irish beliefs for instance he used bonfires to celebrate easter since the Irish were used to honoring their gods with fire. He also superimposed a sun, a powerful Irish symbol, onto a Christian cross to create what is now called a Celtic cross, so that veneration of the symbol would seem more natural to the Irish. Sounds like he was loving, friendly, bridgely, and biblical to me. We are called to defend our faith, but is that a militant position? The Apostle Peter said, But in your hearts, regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for hope that is in you. Our job then is not to defend Jesus or the Bible or your beliefs, and definitely not our personal preferences and parfait toppings. We defend our reason for hope. He assumes that we will live in such a way that people will be asking. And if they aren't asking, then we probably have been conforming to this world instead of renewing our minds, and the relevancy of Jesus' way has just dropped from our sight. Loving, friendly, bridging, biblical. This is the way of missions from a biblical worldview. Thank you for listening. Anachinosis is a project for anyone anywhere who's looking to renew their biblical worldview. Next time, we'll look at what a biblical worldview sees the kingdom of God is.